Episode 34, Dr. Kelly Henry, the customer experience doctor. I've made plenty of mistakes. That's one thing I like to tell my clients now is, you know, learn from my mistakes. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. You can find show notes, links, and more by going to www.markgraven.com slash mistake34. And now on with the show. Hi, welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Graven, joined today by uh, another Texan. Uh, he is Dr. Kelly Henry. He goes by, I think this is a great description, the customer experience doctor. And so we'll kind of unpack that a little bit and, and, and what that means. So he is a chiropractor. He has owned clinics, which I think has given him insight into running and, and growing a business and the importance of customer experience. Um, so Kelly, thank you so much for being a guest. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity to be on your show, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I think there's a, a, a lot of common interest and, and things we'll be able to talk about and uh, a book that has recently been released. We'll talk about that more. But uh, Kelly, if you want to give a mention of uh, the title, please. Absolutely. It's Define and Deliver Exceptional Customer Service. Well, good. We're, we'll, we'll hopefully deliver uh, an exceptional podcast here today. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> my goal, too. So we've got good alignment there. Um, so, Kelly, as, as we normally um, you know, talk about here, what, what's, what's your story? What, what is your favorite mistake? Well, it, it goes back a while. I've made plenty of mistakes. That's one thing I like to tell my clients now is, you know, learn from my mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. You know, yeah. it's easier to learn from somebody else's mistakes than to make them yourself. It saves you frustration, time, and money. So learn from my mistakes. But uh, when I first got out of school, graduated in 1998 uh, here in Dallas from chiropractic school and uh, decided to move my young family, my wife and our, our daughter, our only child at the time to Phoenix, because that's where my wife and I thought we wanted to live. I grew up in Colorado. She grew up in the Mexico area, but we we wanted to move to Phoenix. Didn't have any family there. Didn't have any friends there. Didn't know anything about business. Knew how to be a chiropractor from the medical sense. Didn't know anything about business. Went to uh, Phoenix and uh, thought I could just open my door, put my diploma on the wall and uh, would be a giant success within just uh, you know a few months, and uh, you can imagine what happened there. It was uh, uh, quite a reality check, uh, quite a slap in the face. That uh, it was a lot harder than I anticipated being, and uh, it it uh, was a difficult time for us uh, in in many in many respects. Um, but you know, like the premise of your podcast, you know, you you learn from your mistakes, you learn from these failures. You can look back at them and, and see where it, it got you later on. And so I'm very appreciative of making that decision. Um, I wasn't there very long, had an opportunity to buy a practice in New Mexico where my wife was from later on and move that direction and, and move forward with being much, much more successful. But uh, that was a that was a tough pill to swallow to, to move to Phoenix and, and fail like we did. And uh, gosh, um, and I mean, this happens a lot. I mean, I've talked to uh, people from different 
aspects of um, healthcare, um, uh, dentists and others who, who tend to go and open a practice, a doctor of veterinary medicine. Um, and, and there is that common refrain, maybe you can um, elaborate on it, of, of not really being taught how to, how to start a clinic, how to run a clinic, um, as opposed to, um, it seems like nowadays um, there are more options to get hired in as an employee somewhere. But what, what, what are some of your thoughts or reflections on you know, that education, it taught you how to be a doctor of chiropractic medicine, but um, why, what are your thoughts on why that business aspect is, is so often left out of medical education? Well, the, the, the chiropractic school is, and I'm not faulting them because they have requirements that they have to teach us mm -hmm. um, and they have to give us information so we can pass our board so we can, you know, even practice chiropractic. Um, and there's a lot of classwork just in that regard. So for them to put anything, uh, as far as business in, it's pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. And from being a student, you know, we're jam packed with all kinds of, uh, classes anyway. So to throw, you know, extra business courses on top of that, you know, we'd be reluctant, reluctant and, and probably not appreciate it like we should. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not faulting them. Um, I think the big mistake, like you mentioned, is just having that idea that, you know, I've got the diploma, so that automatically makes me feel like I can start a business and, and run it when, you know, really you need to, you need to get help. Um, and I didn't realize that the group of friends I graduated chiropractic school with, we kind of had that mentality, hey, we'll just, you know, we can, we can do this, no problem. When in reality, you know, we should have got coaches or we should have been hired as associates um, and paid our dues and maybe not made a whole lot of money up front, but learned, uh, learned and get some experience uh, to move forward with. And uh, that's where, that's where I personally really missed the boat. Mm. Has, has that, um, so when you talk about learning from other people's mistakes, it sounds like, or I should ask it instead of assuming mistake on my part here. Um, do, do, you, do you give that feedback to new graduates today of, of kind of sharing your story and helping them think through the options. Do you try to start a practice? Do you get hired in somewhere? Do you join a large, more corporate group, perhaps? Absolutely. Um, just, you know, to give them options um, and, and really shed some light on the reality of it that, you know, and, and, and I was the same way, so I can't point fingers at these new graduates, but, you know, most of them come out with, oh, you know, it, it, it can't be that hard. You know, it's not that difficult to start a business. It, you know, it, it, it's not that big an issue. Um, and, you know, I always say, well, you, you just you just don't know enough to know what you don't know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and only only experience and time will will show you that, unfortunately. And that's where, you know, if I had somebody like myself as a mentor that stopped me and, you know, at the end of my chiropractic school and career and said, hey, listen, here's what you know, here's what you need to look at and do you know, I probably had the same resistance to them as well, but I try to, I try to bring that forward. Hey, listen, this is, this is what you should be doing, or here, here's some options that may give you a better, a smoother road uh, to success. Mm -hmm. So what was, um, Kelly, what was the turning point? So you, you talk about, um, you know, that, that experience in, in Phoenix um, that, that you described as a failure. What, what turned things around? Was it a matter of having a second chance and learning from initial mistakes? Because you know, growing, a group of practices, um, 
you know, was, was uh, you know, not not easy. And, and so what was the difference between that initial attempt and, and what you managed to grow and build later on? Well, the, the one huge positive I took away from being in Phoenix was I, I was in a uh, clinic that had multiple chiropractors. We each had our own practice. And there was a couple of uh, three chiropractors that had been in practice for many years. And, and fortunately, they really mentored me and gave me a you know, uh, the foundation of things to new, know and understand and to move forward uh, to be more successful. So um, even though we struggled and it was hard for me to get patients and we made very little money and had to rely on family at times, um, having that knowledge from those chiropractors helped tremendously. I then had an opportunity from a, a doctor in New Mexico where my wife was from, called me up. He knew, you know, knew about me. He didn't know I was struggling in, in Phoenix, but he said, hey, listen, I'm retired. Would you like to buy my practice out? And fortunately, I was able to do that. Um, and the only reason I was successful in doing that is because of the knowledge and the mentoring that I got from the the, uh, the chiropractors in Phoenix. Yeah. And, and was it a difference between starting um, a, a practice completely from scratch versus buying one that already had a customer base? Exactly. And that that was huge. Um, that, you know, mm -hmm. I walked on a practice where, you know, maybe I was seeing four or five patients a week in Phoenix to, I think my first week in, in uh, New Mexico, I saw 70 patients. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. Quite a, quite a change and, and, uh, a lot of weight off my shoulder as far as having some money coming in. Yeah. So you, you kind of alluded, I was, I was going to ask was the challenge, um, you, you, you answered the question. It sounded like the challenge in Phoenix was gaining um, new patients. Um, and then there's that question around uh, retaining patients, um, you know, for, for ongoing treatment. Um, why, why does a, a patient stay with um, a provider versus switching? How much that, 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 that comes down, I'm sure, in a great part, not just to the clinical care, but the customer experience, right? Absolutely. And that, uh, I, I kind of backed into that principle. When I, when I moved to New Mexico, the community where we lived is smaller community, you know, established businesses that had been there for years and, you know, coming from Dallas, going to school and then leaving and going to Phoenix, you know, we, there are a lot of competition in these areas, obviously. And so customer service seemed to be, you know, at least on the radar for most businesses. Well, again, these small business, small town, small community, Many of these businesses, that wasn't something that they needed to do. They flipped on the lights and opened the doors and you had to do business with them. Yeah. And it didn't take me long to, to realize that and then to really kind of resent that. And, and I hated how they made me feel. Mm -hmm. um, and so I decided very quickly that my office was going to be different. We were going mm -hmm. to appreciate our patients and make them feel valued by doing business with me. And it wasn't because... You know, I thought of it as a way to retain business or to grow my business. It was just, you know, we want to we want to have this reputation. Mm -hmm. And then once we started doing that, I started hearing the patients say, we love coming in here and just we love how we're being treated. And I noticed that we were keeping more patients and and retaining. And some of the patients from the other chiropractors were coming to see me because mm -hmm. of my reputation. And mm -hmm. and that really piqued my interest into studying it more and implementing better practices as far as customer experience and and really is what led me to this 20-year journey and where I'm at now coaching and consulting it. Yeah. Well, it seems like that, as you've um, mentioned there, goes hand in hand. The experience that retains 
patients then leads to growth. When those patients hear their friend or family member complaining maybe about another clinic and say, well, here, you should come see Dr. Kelly or somebody at one of his clinics. Um, I could see, see the, the, uh, the, the you know, kind of continuing returns from, as you put it, treating people the right way. What was an example of that, of, of something that was a differentiator? You know, whether it was, a, you know, I'm trying to think through from a patient in different settings, what could make a difference? You know, the ease of scheduling an appointment, the way you're greeted, how long you're left waiting in the waiting room? Like what were some of the key differentiators for you in terms of that experience? Yeah, all of those were were on my radar. Uh, the biggest one that I, I really um, was, was very much, um, I felt a big differentiator. <laughs> Can't even say that. Anyways, um, it was that greeting that mm -hmm. initial greeting, that first impression, mm -hmm. and make sure it's on point. That soon as that patient walked in the door, you know, our focus was on, hey, we are glad you're here. We are glad you're mm -hmm. choosing us to be your provider and, and letting us uh, take care of you and making those patients feel immediately welcomed in my business. Um, and and that, that stems from, again, the experience I had with some of the businesses there in the community where you know, you got ignored or they could care less you were there. Or they felt like you were an inconvenience for going into their business. I didn't want that happening in my clinic. So let's immediately focus on as soon as that patient walks in the door. Hey, glad you're here. You know, we're going to be right with you. Good to see you today, whatever the case may be, but make them feel important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the connection between, I, you know, when I work with health systems, there's often a lot of talk of kind of dual nature around a better employee experience and a better customer experience. What are your thoughts on, on those connections? They go hand in hand. Um, you, you, and that, that's one of the first principles that I teach my clients is you have to take care of your employees as well, if not better than you do your customers. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is ridiculous to think that you can treat your employees less than you know, or value them less and then expect them to turn around and treat and value your customers better than that. They need to know they're valued. The customer or the employee needs to know they're valued and important and special in that business. And then in, in turn, they can, as a direct result, value and, and uh, take care of the customers appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can imagine if the employees aren't being greeted well when they walk in the door, how does that flow through to how patients are being greeted? Exactly. It's it's very difficult. They can put on a smile and they can try to, uh, you know, walk through the actions and, and fake it till they make it, but it, it makes it more difficult. And to be perfectly honest, you know, calling, you know, pointing some fingers at me, there was a time in my practice where I, I did not do that very well. Mm -hmm. I had the mentality that my employees were liabilities and that they were there just to collect a paycheck and that I needed to be on top of everything. And it created a lot of resent resentment and my service wasn't as good as it could have been. And one of my coaches called me on it and said, hey, listen, you're, you're not doing the right thing. You need to look at your employees as assets and start treating them better and start looking at the, the vast majority of good they're doing instead of folks focusing on the bad. And yeah. as soon as I made that shift, it was, a, it was quite a game changer for my, for my practice and, and really the perception of our service. Yeah. Um, on your LinkedIn profile, I, I found this interesting, Kelly, you're, you're 
summary of what you do. Um, it says, I help service-based businesses increase revenue 25 to 40% while spending less on marketing. Um, so from what you've said, I'll ask you to elaborate on it. The, the connection, it seems then, is that providing a great customer experience is more effective and less expensive than more advertising, more flyers, more Google ads, things like that, right? Exactly. You know, great customer service is the new marketing. And what we find, what we see, what I deal with all the time, working with clients and, and prospective clients and, and doing presentations is businesses tend to be focused. Well, the, the premise of a business is to get customers, keep customers, and then make a profit. You know, mm -hmm. Very simplistic. Most businesses tend to want to focus on get, getting customers and then just making profit and not necessarily keeping them. Mm. But when you keep them, that's where exponential growth and profit really come from. And that's the basis of my programs. I call them the 5% bump programs. And that comes from, from a statistic from Harvard uh, Business School that what they found out is if you'll just increase the retention, customer retention by a measly 5%, it can lead to 25 to 95% increase in profits. Mm, wow. Um, and that we do that by improving customer service, which you know, creates better relationships, which creates loyalty, keeps those those uh, consumers buying or continue to, uh, you know, work with your services, whatever the case may be. But that's the goal is to to drive up that retention rate. Um, yes, you need to, you know, you need to advertise and still get new new customers in. Yeah. But the key is really to keep them in. That's where the growth and profits come from. Yeah. Um so what was your learning curve, Kelly, when you you went from um, running, uh, you know, getting better at running and building and sustaining practices um, to then going out there into a new type of practice as um, the customer experience doctor, being a coach or a consultant, or I don't know what your preferred um, term is. But what was that learning curve like of, of learning how to help others in their businesses? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty steep again. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I, you know, going back to, you know, my mistake was not getting help and, and jumping, you know, into a business that I knew nothing about. Well, fortunately, I did have some idea what I needed to do and I immediately got help. So that that helped tremendously. But yeah, what a what a difference from, you know, being with patients and taking care of them and running clinics, I'm, uh, you know, on that side of things to being in front of a computer and uh, doing things digitally. It's it's been quite a quite a change. So, mm -hmm. uh, but it it's been good, and now I can see both sides of of uh, the situation. So that's uh, you know just adding to my knowledge base is how I look at it. Yeah, and and what are, when, you, when you talk about helping service based businesses, you know, some like the the first extensions would be from chiro going from chiropractic practices to say dental practices or ophthalmology practices, but then. There's extension into, you know, I guess, you know, any, uh, anything where, where customer service is key. Can you talk about you know, some of the clients that you work with and how you've kind of taken lessons into other um, types of service-based businesses? Absolutely. Uh, physical therapists. Um, I, I like working with them, love working with them. They, they have a very similar model to what I had to chiropractors have. Um, that, uh, you know, they can be independent. Um, you know, they can also work with other other 
uh, entities, but um, they really have to kind of fight to build up their clientele and, and work that way too. So um, just like working with them because of that, that, that very similar attributes to what I dealt with and what I deal with working with chiropractors, insurance agents, a lot of the same thing mm-hmm. um, working with them. The thing though is, you know, really the bottom line is the principles of customer service really apply to, to any of these businesses. Um, you know, it's all about getting customers, but yes, keeping those customers and how you make them feel, how you value them on each and every opportunity you can when they're dealing with, dealing with them. So that's the key components. So, um, you know, the chiropractors, the physical therapists, the insurance agents, the, uh, real estate agents, um, all of them. It, again, it's just driving that perception that you are there to help them, to serve them, and to make them feel important when you're when you're dealing with them. And that's the key component. And is there a difference in? I can think of certain service sectors where um, there, there's this really ongoing relationship um, with uh, a client or a customer, as opposed to something that's sort of more one-off transactional. Um, I'm thinking of service industries. Like I, think I've, I got some amazing customer service from uh, a custom bakery in uh, the Dallas area late last year. It was um, uh, 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 in, I was about to say big, um, important birthday for my mother-in-law. I'm not going to throw numbers around, <laughs> but you know because of sure. you know, the pandemic and you know we had had a, a trip. Um, scheduled to go celebrate her birthday. And we couldn't do that because of the pandemic. So we found a place that could do that, at least offer the promise of a very special cake. And boy, they they came through with that. But there's probably limited opportunities for me to be loyal to that bakery um, as opposed to um, chiropractic, um, where that that is more of an ongoing relationship with with a patient do you, do you tend to work with um here i'll give a shout out to that business because this is maybe one uh, they're called the london baker if you're looking for this not not an advertisement if you're in the dallas area and kelly or anyone else if you want a custom cake um the london baker um went above and beyond it was a, an amazing cake an amazing experience but sorry for that detour but um i'm trying to think of great customer service i've gotten on something that's more of an ongoing relationship whether it's a dentist or an eye doctor do do you tend to work with the more relationship-based businesses i guess and no um you know what i teach though is when you're when you're providing great service um whether it's a bakery or a chiropractic office there's two kind of loyalty that you're building up. So you're building, you know, relationship and you're building that loyalty where, you know, that customer would die before they go anywhere else. Okay. But if there's a longer relationship, so the baker or a real estate agent, it's another one that, um, you know, there's, you know, you're not buying a house every other week. And so if you build that relationship with the real estate agent, you know, the other part of loyalty is to refer others in. Yeah. Um, and it's not conjoled. You didn't, you know, they're not paying, the baker's not paying you to give them a shout out. It's just because you have a fantastic, you know, fantastic reason to give them a shout out. And it's not that you're going to go buy anything from them today, but you're happy to say, hey, go, go see these people. So yeah. there's that loyalty of, yes, I'm going to keep buying you from you regularly whenever I can. But it's also that loyalty of, hey, you know, others need to go 
experience what I did. Not only a great bakery, but they're just great people and they're going to treat you very, very well. So, yeah. Yeah. Realtors. Yeah. That seems like a, a word of mouth referral. And, you know, with corporate relocations in and out of the Dallas area, there's one realtor that we've used a couple of times because we had a great experience with him and his team. And um, we're happy to, to come back. Um, and I think um, it's funny you mentioned Phoenix. My wife and I lived in Phoenix um, 2001 to 2005. And we had realtors there, uh, Don and Linda Tian, who helped us buy. It was our first home. And, and they were great. And then we got relocated away from Phoenix and never moved back. One thing they do from um, an ongoing relationship standpoint, they send out a printed monthly newsletter. And there's some funny stuff in there. And um, I remember, and they they send it every single month. And as we've moved, they managed to find our new address. And it still finds our home almost 20 years later. And at one point, um, I sent them a note. And I'm like, you know, Don and Linda, you don't have to keep, I, I enjoy reading it. But we're probably not going to buy a home again in Phoenix. You don't have to keep sending the newsletter. And and they said, well, no, we're, you, know, you never know. You might know somebody in Phoenix who wants to buy a house. And, and if, if I remember right, like they literally do no advertising other than this newsletter that they send um, to their clients. So I think that's just kind of an interesting case study. Absolutely. And it's, you know, just keep it top of mind when, when you provide that great service and then you, those little touches, a newsletter, a postcard, uh, that's, that's a lot of what I did in my practice was we didn't do a newsletter. We, we sent out postcards regularly, just, Hey, thinking of you, Mm-hmm. You know, you need to get back in here, you know, that type of thing. And when you leave, you know, when you're leaving a patient or a customer on a good note, a positive note, and they see that, you know, may trigger them as far as a chiropractic office to go back in or may trigger them to, hey, you know, I do know somebody that's going to go there. Or, yeah. you know, even if you don't at the moment, at least it's back in the top of your mind. So um, that does go a long way. And good, positive connections can stay in someone's mind for decades, even, I guess. Absolutely. (laughs) Decades and decades. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So before we wrap up, and our guest, again, our guest is um, Dr. Kelly Henry. Uh, He's the customer experience doctor, and um, he does work with a lot of different service-based businesses. And let's talk a little bit more about the book, if you can remind us of the title. And, uh, you know, as an author, I always... I want to celebrate other authors because I know this is a big undertaking. So congratulations on getting it published. Well, thank you. That's my first book. And so I'm, I'm very excited. So, um, it, you know, it's been a, a, I've always wanted to write a book and finally have, have got it done. So name of the book is Define and Deliver Exceptional Customer Service. And my philosophy in life is just simplicity. Um, that's how I practice, just break things down to the simplest terms. Uh, that's how I coach and consult, and that's how this book is. Simple philosophies, simple rules, simple actions that a business can take, implement almost immediately, and improve their customer service almost as quickly. If they'll just take hold of it and be consistent with it, that, that's really the premise. So, um, again, simple ideas, simple philosophy, simple actions that will create major results. Well, good. So deliver. Um, I'm, nope. Ugh, another mistake on my part. See, I these are just flubs and slip ups and all the different universe of mistakes. Um, not a favorite one, but I do this a lot. Sorry. Define and deliver exceptional customer service. I had it right in front of me. So no I problem. Get it wrong. And I still managed <laughs> to get it wrong. Define and deliver exceptional customer service. 
um, Dr. Kelly Henry. And um, the, the audience for this book, um, similar to your work, service-based businesses, not just chiropractic practices. Exactly. Um, service-based, brick and mortar, you know, online digital businesses as well. Principles will apply to, to them as well. So, And you can find the book my website, drkellyhenry.com, or it, really anywhere you, you want to buy books. So Amazon, Kindle, audiobook, uh, any of those platforms. Well, good. I hope people uh, will check that out. Um, a final question. Do you have a favorite mistake from either the writing or the publishing process here? Um, yes, I, I should have. Um, I, I had somebody else read the book for me on the uh, audible side of things. Ah. Um, and I, I should have went ahead and, and done it over in my voice. The gentleman who did it did a good job. But after I listened to it, I thought, you know what, I should have done it. When I told people that somebody else did it, I, you know, I got a lot of why didn't you do it? So I, I wish I would have gone forward with that. But my next book, I will I will definitely do the, the yeah. audible portion for it. So and, and why was that? Do you think like you, you have a professional reading it, um, it probably has some benefits? But did you feel like, you know, kind of you're it, it just didn't convey the way you would have. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, emphasize certain points. And and when I listen to audiobooks, what one author in particular, Grant Cardone, if you know who he is, and yeah. um, I've read several of his book, one in particular, be obsessed and be average. And he always reads his book and he always interjects, you know, he'll read through it, but he'll interject <laughs> at certain points. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's something I could do too. So, uh, but yeah, it, it just it didn't come across as quite as enthusiastic as, as I would have wanted it to. So. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that lesson learned. I know some authors who've done the reading and they've, they, I, I think grueling is the word that I've heard come to mind. It, 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 it's well, a lot I, of work, but. Yeah. And I think that's maybe the reason I initially didn't just, I was yeah. kind of at that point where it was overwhelming anyways and let somebody else take that on for me. But, you know, once you get one under your belt, it gets a little easier. Well, good. Well, uh, so congratulations again. And um, it's a good sign when, uh, an author is done with the first and is already thinking about the next one. That, that must mean you enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I did. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one. So, well, Great. So again, we've been joined by Dr. Kelly Henry. Um, for your website, is it Dr. spelled out or Dr. Kelly yeah, Henry? Just, yeah, drkellyhenry.com. So, and that's where you can find me on LinkedIn as well, drkellyhenry. Um, I believe uh, Instagram is dr.kellyhenry and then Facebook is Dr. Kelly Henry as well. So pretty, okay. you remember that you should be able to, should be able to locate me somewhere. Okay, great. And I'll, I'll make sure there's a link to um, the website in the show notes for listeners and viewers to go check that out. So um, Kelly, thank you so much for being a guest. Really nice talking to you. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.